Welcome. The parish is a church community in Alpharetta, Georgia, practicing the way of Jesus for the sake of others. Talks like these are just one part of how we gather to be deeply reshaped by Jesus. So we invite you to join us any Sunday morning for a full church gathering. You can find more information or contact us by visiting our website at parishanglican.org. All right, uh, Morgan and Josh, if you can come on up for me. We're going to do a scripture reading this morning to prepare our hearts for the sermon, and uh, it's a long one. It's a long one. We are going to catch the Apostle Paul in all of his glory today, all of his uh, meandering, brilliant uh, insight. And so Paul is talking about the body of Christ, and this passage was honestly just too good to cut down. Um, I kept looking at it going like, no, that's important. No, that's important. And before we knew it, we had a two-page scripture reading. So rather than shy away from that, I think it's a good thing when the Bible is read at length uh, in church. And so we'll just settle in. What I'm going to invite you to do is just hear this scripture reading prayerfully, um, less liturgically than we typically engage our scripture readings, and instead just let it let it soak into your heart. Let the Spirit highlight things for you and emphasize what he may have for you in it. And uh, we'll use that to prayerfully enter into our time of the sermon. Um, and the words will be up on the screen if you want to follow along, or if you'd prefer to just close your eyes and listen. That's great, too. All right, let's listen to 1 Corinthians 12. What I want to talk about now is the various ways God's Spirit gets worked into our lives. This is complex and often misunderstood, but I want you to be informed and knowledgeable. God's various gifts are handed out everywhere, but they all originate in God's Spirit. God's various ministries are carried out everywhere, but they all originate in God's spirit. God's various expressions of power are in action everywhere, but God himself is behind it all. Each person is given something to do that shows who God is. Everyone gets in on it. Everyone benefits. All kinds of things are handed out by the spirit and to all kinds of people. The variety is wonderful, wise counsel, clear understanding, simple trust, healing the sick, miraculous acts, proclamation, distinguishing between spirits, tongues, interpretation of tongues. All these gifts have a common origin, but are handed out one by one by the one Spirit of God. He decides who gets what and when. You can easily enough see how this kind of thing works by looking no further than your own body. Your body has many parts, limbs, organs, cells. But no matter how many parts you can name, you are still one body. It's exactly the same with Christ. By means of his one spirit, we all said goodbye to our partial and piecemeal lives. We each used 
to independently call our own shots, but then we entered into a large and integrated life in which he has the final say in everything. This is what we proclaimed in word and action when we were baptized. Each of us now is part of his resurrection body, refreshed and sustained at one fountain, his spirit, where we all come to drink. The old labels we once used to identify ourselves, labels like Jew or Greek, slave or free, are no longer useful. We need something larger, more comprehensive. I want you to think about how all this makes you more significant, not less. A body isn't just a single part blown up into something huge. It's all the different but similar parts arranged and functioning together. If foot said, I'm not elegant like hand embellished with rings, I guess I don't belong to this body. Would that make it so? If ear said, I'm not beautiful like eye, transparent and expressive, I don't deserve a place on the head. Would you want to remove it from the body? If the body was all eye, how could it hear? If all ear, how could it smell? As it is, we see that God has carefully placed each part of the body right where he wanted it. But I also want you to think about how this keeps your significance from getting blown up into self-importance. For no matter how significant you are, it is only because of what you are a part of. An enormous eye or a gigantic hand wouldn't be a body, but a monster. What we have is one body with many parts, each its proper size and in its proper place. No part is important on its own. Can you imagine eye telling hand, get lost, I don't need you, or head telling foot, you're fired, your job has been phased out. As a matter of fact, in practice, it works the other way. The lower part, the more basic and therefore necessary. You can live without an eye, for instance, but not without a stomach. When it's a part of your own body you are concerned with, it makes no difference whether the part is visible or clothed, higher or lower. You give it dignity and honor just as it is, without comparisons. The way God designed our bodies is a model for understanding our lives together as a church. Every part dependent on every other part. The parts we mention and the parts we don't. The parts we see and the parts we don't. If one part hurts, every other part is involved in the hurt and in the healing. If one part flourishes, every other part enters into the exuberance. Now you are Christ's body. That's who you are. You must never forget this. Only as you accept your part of the body does your part mean anything. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thank you, Morgan. All right. Do we need to stop that further or are we good? Beautiful.
Well, I hope for you, um, just sitting under that reading was, was meaningful. I just played it on repeat for a while this week, and um, yeah, there's a lot there. There's a lot there. So we'll spend the next three hours talking about it together. <laughs> no, uh, actually, I had the phenomenon this week in particular of like how much I feel like I'm preaching to the choir with what I'm about to say. So I'll just name that. Uh, particularly here in this first gathering uh, where a lot of our core families are present. Um, and I want to name the strength and celebrate the examples of all the ways we are the body of Christ and the strength of this community as an expression of the body of Christ. I'm so uh, grateful. Uh, what keeps me so thankful to be a part of the parish is the human beings that are here. Um, and so thank you for that. Uh, okay, so as I said, we are in the early stages of this new year, and we are looking at what it looks like to form community, both in our, our uh, Monday through Saturday lives and then also here on Sundays as a church community. And we desire to create context for deep relationship, for meaningful connection, for transformation, for life together. And I want to just uh, invite you to join me in getting your hopes up for meaningful relationships to emerge and grow and blossom and deepen after all the isolation we've all been through over the last few years. And, uh, and so God is in this. It's a miracle that we're all sitting here. Like when you, when you track the story of, like it's a miracle that we're sitting here right now. God is in this. God is in this room. God is in this community. And, uh, and so we can get our hopes up about all the ways he wants to continue to use this community uh, for the sake of uh, our community, our lives, our world, our neighborhoods, and also our own hearts. Um, and ironically, stewarding those hopes well involves naming how often we misplace the expectations, and that's what we've been talking about over the last few weeks. I'm not going to uh, beat a dead horse with that, other than to say so often we end up in that sense of, of wondering, is this new thing, is this, this new relationship, this new role, is that going to be the thing that, that makes it all click, that makes it all come together? And so if you have not been with us the last two weeks, I'm going to read a quote from Dietrich Bonhoeffer that's really going to summarize everything I said in the last two weeks. As it turns out, I could have skipped the sermon the last two weeks and just read this quote and sent us all home. So, but it's a gut punch of a quote, so brace yourselves. Uh, let's go to this. Uh, he says this, It is necessary for every Christian to become disillusioned with Christian community. Those who dream of idealized community demand that it be fulfilled by God, by others, and by themselves. He who loves his wish dream of Christian community more than the real community itself becomes a destroyer of the latter no matter how earnest his intentions. He enters community with unrealistic expectations and then becomes an accuser of his brothers and sisters for not meeting them. Have a great day. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. Uh, okay, so church community, as we talk about forming a church community, uh, we sit under uh, an idea like that because it's this loaded thing. We've got these transcendent desires, these deep hopes, these, these meaningful longings for, for deeper healing and wisdom and purpose and meaning in our lives, for more of God in our lives. And, and then we bring all of those hopes into this room and the spiritual things are born in the roughshod stables of our lives. They show up in the manger places, in the dirty places, in the messy places. And, uh, and so it's the transcendent meeting the very ordinary when we come to church. And so that's why we've got to pay attention to these expectations. The unexamined expectations say 
this is gonna be a perfect fit, like two puzzle pieces just crafted to go together, right? And this is true of church community, but everything I'm saying today could be equally applied to friendship, to our marriages, to uh, colleagues, to any place that relational lives are fitting together. Uh, the unexamined expectations say it will be a perfect fit and then lived wisdom echoes back. Nope, <laughs> all good things involve struggle, involve mess. Um, and uh, there are those beautiful exceptions where like a friendship, a relationship, a thing just works. Like just, it just works. And those are beautiful indeed, but they are also the exception. And so as we lay the groundwork uh, for how we might enter into life together this year as a church community, and we have some really concrete plans that I know I'm just teasing ad nauseum, uh, but I'm doing that intentionally. Like we'll, we'll roll those out over the next few months, not over the next few weeks. So you gotta buckle in for the long haul. But, but I do want us to lay the groundwork. And so the, one of the questions we've been sitting with is how can we cultivate an interior maturity sufficient for truly sharing our relational lives together? And that is a, a question I think all of us at all times for the rest of time can be sitting with. Uh, I certainly know I can. And so last week I said that there's a prerequisite that must come first, and perhaps you've heard me allude to this before, um, that each of us in our own lives, there's a foundation we must receive before we can show up to community in a healthy way, and it is this, that we have to, each of us, sit under the baptismal flow of the Holy Spirit descending on us like the Spirit descended on Jesus at his baptism and spoke the word, you are my beloved child with whom I love. I am pleased with you. We need to hear that spoken over our lives. We need to claim that that voice speaks over our lives. We need to claim it every day. We need to claim it sometimes moment by moment because we Without that at the base, then we end up showing up into other relationships uh, with, with some of those demands that Bonhoeffer talked about. And so we are all responsible as a community to soak into the deep word that we are loved in the heart of God. And we do that, of course, practically through prayer and uh, through scripture and through sitting with others who can who can echo that voice of belovedness over our lives, into our lives. And if we, if we fail to do that, what happens is we enter the dry wilderness still searching for deep waters, and that's not where we find deep waters, right? You don't find deep waters in dry wilderness. And so then we are thirsty everywhere we go. And so here's another gut punch quote, one of my absolute favorites. It's from Nowen, Henry Nowen. And, uh, and again, talk about a summary statement of everything we've been talking about. I saved the good quotes for this week. He says, we can only uh, create real community when we first know that we are loved. Before that, we create community out of an attempt to fill our loneliness and emptiness. We try to unite two or more lonely hearts. We are then putting community in the impossible place of trying to be the one we had hoped for. And, and remember, that's what happened with John. Uh, the people came and said, are you the one, right? And, uh, and so we hope for that one that will fill our emptiness. Now and says, this can only lead to despair, resentment, and disappointment. Sooner or later, we will find that person isn't the one we had hoped for. When we first hear the voice that calls us the beloved, we can form a home with others that is not based on them needing to give us the very thing they cannot give. And then I love this final line. This is why we can only last in community if our heart is first deeply rooted in God. Um, 
So Augustine says, our hearts remain restless until they find their rest in Christ. And so often what I think are actually problems of community, what we think are problems of community are actually problems of communion, right? The community is not giving us what we think we need, but it's actually because it cannot. And, and so the first work is the communion work. And if we end up showing up to community apart from the filling of communion, what we end up with is consumerism where I am needing something to consume, right? And we see this at the heart of all of our lives, certainly the, the church in America, the capital C church, and certainly our church as well. And I think we have a very mature church on the whole. And yet all of us find ourselves kind of sometimes slipping into this idea, I know I do, that the world orbits around me, <laughs> that I'm at the center, right? And, uh, and then I'm surprised to find that you did not agree to that. <laughs> All this time you thought you were at the center. Um, and no wonder sometimes we, we rub each other the wrong way. And uh, so I don't want you to mishear me. Having needs is human. Of course, having needs is legitimate. And to be loved, to need to be loved is at the heart of life. It must be met. First, of course, yes, in God's love, but we can rightly expect to be loved by others as well, to be loved well by others. Um, so the difference that I'm saying here is not, not don't have any needs, but, but rather that consumerism has consumption at its heart, and therefore it is self-consumed. Uh, it's very subtle. Often we don't show up overtly selfish in our relationships, uh, but we find ourselves leaking things like, I'm just not getting anything out of it. I'm not getting my needs met. Um, and, uh, and, and we place our needs at the center. Um, community, on the other hand, is this two-sided mutuality of relationship. And so uh, a ramification of spending the last few decades emphasizing our personal relationship with Jesus is we've lost sight of the primacy of community at the heart of this thing. This has always been an us faith. It's not an I faith. It's an us and so community is not the add-on to my Christian life with Jesus. Community is the context in which Jesus is working out his heart in my life. Uh, and so we need one another. Um, so uh, consumerism, then, is fundamentally transactional and one-sided. Community is fundamentally relational and multi-sided. It is the giving and receiving of love. It is built atop the firm foundation of God's already spoken belovedness. We still bring our needs into community, but we also see the dignity in each other's needs. We honor each other's needs. We're giving and receiving. We see ourselves as part of that larger whole that Paul is speaking about. And we're committed to dance together, not with me at the center, but with love at the center and all of us with a role to play. Um, okay, I want to go through a couple of these verses real fast. We'll spend about five more minutes and we'll be done. Uh, but let's begin with this, uh, verse 25 and 26. Paul says this, the way God designed our bodies is a model for understanding our lives together as a church. Every part is dependent on the other part. The parts we mention, the parts we don't, the parts we see, the parts we don't. If one part hurts, every other part is involved in the hurt and in the healing. If one part flourishes, every other part enters into the exuberance. And so there's so much we could say about this whole passage, but I want to highlight just over the, this week, and then we'll wrap it up next week, the mutuality in what Paul is describing. And what he says is this, like essentially, if I could boil it down, he says, everybody gets to belong, and everybody gets to play, and everybody gets to hurt, 
and everybody gets to heal. And, um, and we'll, we'll talk about each of those. So, so let's start with that first one. Everybody gets to belong, and we'll go to verse 14 here. Uh, Paul says, I want you to think about how this makes you significant, not less significant, more significant. Everybody has a place at the table of Jesus. The table is big enough. Um, now, maybe not everyone will want to come to the table. That's a different question. But everybody has a place at the table. We're, we're all the children of God. We're all made in the image of God. And we can recapture this imagination to see the spark of the image of God in the lives of every person that we encounter and at the heart of life, not only my life, but your life. As we soak ourselves in this imagination of the body of Christ, we see Christ playing, to use Peterson's phrase, in 10,000 places, in all of these, these lives, all of these uh, people around us. Christ is there. Christ is active. And so we can give broader dignity to the people we come in contact with. Everything is made significant under the goodness of the body of Christ. Um, and, uh, and then we get to verse 19. And he says this. Uh, uh, if you go to the next one for me, Chris. Oh, you're good. Take your time. Thank you, sir. Uh, he says, but I also want you to think about how this keeps you uh, your significance from getting blown up into self-importance. Uh, we have a body with many parts. We have a body with many parts. And as I was reflecting on this, what came to mind is just that a body necessarily requires difference. Um, a body necessarily requires difference. The ear is quite unlike the eye. There's nothing about it that is similar. And even my right eye sees the world differently than my left eye. And my knee can bend both ways, and it simply cannot understand why my elbow can only bend one way, right? And, and similarly, uh, we don't understand each other always. Uh, but uh, the body of Christ, to be a community in the body of Christ, is to recognize that we need each other precisely in our differences, not only in spite of our differences. We need each other. Let me give us one more quote as we wrap this up, and this one's a mind-bending one. Um, if you, <laughs> this one uh, has some depth to it. Larry Bouchard, I cannot truly know you if I do not misunderstand you. The risks are high here and it will be painful, but if I do not misunderstand you, I have simply projected myself onto you. I cannot know you and there can be no relationship with you without misunderstanding you. We misunderstand and then work from there. This may prove to be too much, and we may, in the end, have to walk away from one another, but there is no other way. My goodness. Um, that one's worth some reflection, and that's not our preference. It's not how we draw up community. Uh, people moving in different directions necessarily rubs us the wrong way, and God seems to allow sandpaper in our relational lives that not only irritates us and it hurts us, but it's also shaping us. It's also forming us. And simply said, we do not get the relational without the formational. Um, and uh, if I'm honest, I want the relational without the formational uh, often. And so finally, let's wrap up with this. Uh, verse 4 and 5, our second idea is that everyone gets to play. Everyone gets to play. There is a mutual giving and receiving of gifts. And Paul says each person's given something. Everybody gets in on this. Everybody benefits. All kinds of things are handed out to all kinds of people. Um, and so I want to just ask you, especially uh, you gathered here in this gathering, 
uh, would you do the discernment work of like, what does it look like for me to, to play <laughs> uh, with, with Christ as Christ plays in this community? What is the intersection of this community uh, both here on Sunday mornings, I'm not just talking about find a place to volunteer. Like, sure, we need host team people. Sure, we need kids people sometimes. We need people on the band. But I'm, I'm talking about that, and I'm talking about something much deeper, which is outside of Sunday mornings, which is you were given creation gifts by the Holy Spirit for the sake of the edification of the body and the goodness of our world around us. What is the intersection of that and the needs of this world? And, and perhaps we could grab a cup of coffee and discern that together, think about that together, listen for where God might be prompting that together. I've seen a beautiful example of that just in a small way recently with the afterwards posts that have been happening in our community. Uh, Lisa wrote one this week. Laura Boggs has written a bunch. I think Luke Boggs is writing one today. Uh, Lisa Leeper wrote this week. And... Um, it's been like this example of initially Laura Boggs came to us and was like, do you guys need copywriting needs? And I was like, well, first of all, we don't care that much if we have a typo. <laughs> but, but secondly, like, Laura, you have this gorgeous writing gift. Why would we make you just edit the things we say? Like, let's, let's figure out how to get your voice talking. And so that's what, where the idea came up with. It was one of those times where it was like, oh, there's a way to invite into this vocational gift. And now I see that expanding to others who share that same gift. That's the body of Christ the body of Christ. And this week, um, without going into too many details, we had three, on, on one day, we had a, a day where three people ended up, I think, going to the hospital within our community. And, and what I saw, and thankfully everyone seems to be doing well and, 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 and is stable and is good. However, what I saw was the body of Christ. What I saw was people jumping in to pray. What I saw was people stopping their jobs and going to urgent care to drive someone to the hospital. What I saw was meals being delivered. What I saw was texts being checked in on and, and things like that. And so, um, yeah, it's good. It's good. Uh, let's pray, and we'll end this. And, and I just want to invite us into a moment of discernment here before we come to the table. This week I rolled my ankle and immediately recognized how one part of the body impacts every other part of the body. And we are the body of Christ. So Holy Spirit, would you show us increasingly, uh, in increasingly clear and wise ways place you have for us, not only to give, but to receive, not only to receive, but to give, to hurt and to heal, to be a part of this body in which you are the head. Would you spark in us some little place you're wanting to invite us into some tactical, practical next step? whether a next step in prayer or a next step in, uh, in the way we show up in the lives of others. We thank you for this in Jesus' name. Amen.